Welcome to My Patriot Brain, the show that unleashes all that freedom and liberty locked away in my synapses. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Mather. Today is Thursday, March 2nd, 2023. Thank you for downloading this episode. Uh, it occurred to me the other day that maybe I need a producer to say, hey, you've told that story before, um, because I start ad-libbing and who knows what I talk about. Uh, but anyway, so we're going to launch into the, the episode today. Uh, if you haven't checked out my website, theconservativesocialpsychologist.com, uh, you ought to check it out. It's got uh, original content. Um, I'm funneling, currently I'm funneling most of my efforts into this show, uh, rather than writing new articles, uh, publishing you know, the other podcast or any of that. But there's a lot of my my old articles that I've written uh, on the CSP blog uh, and the CSP podcast has my old old podcast on there too, um, which has lots of information about things like MKUltra, the government program to, uh, of mind control with the CIA back in the 50s. Uh, and, and my articles cover a lot of things from politics and psychology. So you might check that out. There's free content there. There's also links to all of my other things. So there's links to my um, Parlor and Truth Social accounts, links to my YouTube, my new Rumble channel, which I haven't put any videos on yet. Um, but a YouTube channel has a lot of a lot of content. I put a few up this week on uh, the mere exposure effect and the proximity effect and attraction. Uh, so anyway, so check out my website if you get a chance. Uh, you ought to join. I mean, I'm not paid by True Social at all. So, but you ought to join True Social and, and check out my account there. Uh, that's where I'll post a lot of article links uh, for articles that I talk about in this in this podcast. Uh, Gadsden One, uh, I know I've talked about him before. He's uh, very active on Parler and a number of other social media sites. He's got his own website. Uh, he's got his own website, Gadsden, uh, gadsden1.com, uh, Preserve the Founding. He blogs there. He writes a lot of articles. Um, his latest one was Biden's Traveling Political Theater versus Ukraine. Um, he's also written uh, The Root Cause is the Shooter. Uh, those are his last couple ones. Uh, he's got a great take on things. You ought to check out his, his website. Uh, he recently added um, an RSS feed for this podcast on there. Uh, and so this, that's another place where you can find my podcast. If you're hanging out on his website, uh, you can check out the link to this podcast and check out all my episodes. I've got an exciting announcement coming next week about this podcast, uh, so look for that at the beginning of next week, um, or possibly later in the week for me to tell you about it. So uh, uh, there's an article, a recent article came out um, on February 27th, 2023, called uh, COVID Myth, it's about COVID myths, right? 10 myths told by COVID experts and now debunked um, by Marty Meckery uh, in the New York Post. Uh, I'm not going to talk about it a lot on here because a lot of times I get censored when I talk about any COVID things. But you ought to check it out, right? Ten myths told by COVID experts. Uh, he's, a, he's a medical doctor. He's written this article uh, where he's gone in and, and connected the dots where the research doesn't match up to it. And all the things we know now, and of course a lot of us were censored um, pretty heavily on Facebook uh, and, and, and other mediums, fact-checked, um, said that we were perpetrating misinformation when we said that uh, there's a pretty good chance that the COVID, that the COVID virus came out of Wuhan lab in China, all that stuff, right? Now we're, we're finding evidence that supports everything we said that was hidden for years, and that's one of the Democrats' tactics, big government tactics that we'll see. We'll talk about that a little bit later on today when we talk about Andrew Breitbart. Uh, but I posted that article on uh, my True Social account, so you can go check it, check it out if you want to there. Uh, this is a funny story. You can take it however you want. I just felt like there is a, is a, a metaphor waiting to happen for a lot of things. Uh, and I'll let you fill in the blanks for that. Um, but I was sitting at a stoplight, and there was a, a big, giant, white, gas-guzzling, shiny truck, and this little, very dirty, black Prius um, in the lane next to it, one car behind it, one car to the right. And the light turns green, and the, the, uh, the white truck fired up, and it let out just a tremendous cloud of black smoke that actually it continued to let out for a long ways. 
let out this huge cloud of black smoke that engulfed the little black dirty Prius. Uh, and I thought, that's hilarious, right? There, there's a metaphor there. Before I could even come up with a metaphor, right? Now I'm driving through that big thing of black smoke and I, it was less, less pleasant. Uh, and I watched and they stayed pretty much at the same place where that white truck was just covering the black, little black, black Prius with black thick smoke everywhere. And of course, then I have to drive through it later on. So anyway, seems like there's a metaphor for something there with the left, the right, with climate change, uh, et cetera, dealing with the here and now. There's a lot of, you can fill that in, but it was an entertaining situation for me. Speaking of the environment, uh, the Department of Energy, as we, as we alluded to a little bit earlier, decided that COVID came from a lab in Wuhan, which was not that big of a surprise to all of us. Um, but unfortunately, the truth is not out there. Uh, the truth has been dismissed by so many people because the Democrats decided to tie everything to Donald Trump and anything Donald Trump said must be wrong which means that every time he spoke and he was right, which was a lot of the time, if not most of the time, uh, every time he spoke about anything, uh, those good ideas were just completely dismissed by the Democrats because of the source of the message. And that's, that's very sad for us as Americans that we're at that point. Again, we'll get back to a little bit of that when we talk about Andrew Breitbart. Uh, the recent um, you know, House Committee's recommendation to ban TikTok uh, has been, I think, interesting to me because, let's see, I've been away from academia for two full years now. And I remember one of the discussions was about, you know, a university TikTok account to do some things. I don't want to give away too much information, do some things. And I said, you know, but isn't TikTok like a Chinese surveillance thing? Shouldn't we not be? The, the trend is going to be going away from TikTok, not towards it. And everybody laughed at me and made fun of me for being this conspiracy theorist. And they're like, it's TikTok. Everybody does it. And now, you know, at that same university, you can't use TikTok because it's not allowed on any state devices. And we're seeing that happening in a number, I think, what, over half the states have banned it. Um, federal government's banned it on a lot of things. And, and we're looking at some, um, some more legislation dealing with TikTok. But anyway, again, right, mocked and ridiculed um, two years ago. And then what do we find? We find that I was, I was speaking the truth. And I know a lot, of, a lot of you listening to this podcast have those same encounters all the time. I uh, was watching Andor the other day, and I was thinking about that Neurotech article where they, you know, they implant things in, in, the, in the show in Andor, and they can push the button and manipulate them. Uh, and it just made me think of that Neurotech discussion that we had um, in, the, in the last episode. Or maybe the episode before, I don't remember which one. But the Neurotech episode we had recently on this pod, discussed on this podcast. One of the things that made me think about, though, is the fact that social psychology in the future is going to mean how to understand how we get along with robots, right? It's, it's human-computer interaction is, is where it's at in, in the human factors discipline. But in, in social, social psychology is going to really have to deal with that type of thing, right? How, how humans get along with other robots, how humans get along with artificial intelligence, how the programmers create those things. Social psychology is going to have to, um, to adapt to those things. It's not just person-to-person -person anymore. Uh, CPAC kicked off yesterday uh, and, and really goes in full force today. Uh, that's the uh, kind of the giant conservative meetup uh, everybody who's everybody is there. I was there a few years ago. Uh, I, I said I was going to go every year after that. I did not go last year. I did, couldn't manage to make it this year. It's a great conservative kind of party. You've got everybody in the world who's there talking about conservative stuff. People are happy walking around the hallways. Uh, I got to stand next to Bruce Jenner, uh, Caitlyn Jenner, whoever. Um, the one I grew up knowing was an athlete on the Wheaties boxes. Uh, I got to stand next to Bruce Jenner at the CPAC last time I was there, and he is an impressive physical specimen, especially you put him in heels. He's pretty tall, pretty big, 
Uh, he's got an extremely narrow waist and very broad shoulders and everything you'd look for in a great pitcher if I was recruiting a pitcher, uh, except for the heels, right, in the dress. Uh, so yesterday was the 11-year anniversary of Andrew Breitbart's uh, sudden passing away. Dana Lash, who worked with Andrew Breitbart uh, originally at his website, um, wrote an article that I put on my a post on my True Social account. But her article was remembering Andrew Breitbart 11 years later, and she talked about a kind of a cross-country trip with him and uh, you know the happy warrior that he was known as. Um, March 1st, 2023, remembering Andrew Breitbart 11 years later on her Substack account. Again, post on my True Social. Uh, you know, I've come to really have a lot of respect for Andrew Breitbart over the years. So I, my, my friendship with Larry O'Connor and Meredith Dake O'Connor, um, both of whom worked very closely with Andrew Breitbart um, years ago, um, has, has, I've got to have the privilege of hearing lots of stories about Andrew Breitbart and hearing kind of what, what a great man he was and what a great, great person he was. Uh, a few years ago, I, I wrote an article, um, Andrew Breitbart's Legacy, Do Not Accept Defeat. I posted that on my True Social account uh, today as well, so you can go check that out. And I, I kind of gave a review of his book, Righteous Indignation, and I discussed some of the high points and the importance of him at the time to that this was, this was published in 2020, um, my article. Uh, and I gave a discussion of his legacy and, and how that could be kind of used in the 2020 election and, and on forward and what we needed to learn from that. Um, one, of my, one of my favorite points that he always discussed was what he called the Democrat media complex, which was that combination of you know what ultimately became a massive amount of censorship over the last few years that we saw but it's you know Hollywood and it's uh, you know the news media and it's just the the, the fact that liberals control all of those things uh, and you know even when I wrote that article in 2020 we didn't realize that the extent to which that was going to be manipulated you know October of 2020 uh, had was just right in the very beginnings of, of the tremendous amount of manipulation we saw with all the censorship of the Hunter Biden laptop story and the COVID censorship and everything else. I mean, we, we didn't even really understand how much in the depths of the grips of that we were at that time. Uh, and he was always, you know, big on going to enemy territory, which is something that I did as a university professor, uh, being a conservative in an extremely liberal environment, and holding my ground and making arguments like I did. Um, Breitbart was, of course, famous for the Acorn scandal that he unraveled, um, and of course the Anthony Weiner case. Uh, really, the uh, Breitbart is responsible for giving James O'Keefe and James O'Keefe and the uh, Project Veritas their initial, you know, launch. I mean, James O'Keefe wouldn't be who he was uh, as far as a successful, you know, well-known person doing what he's doing if Andrew Breitbart hadn't believed in him. Uh, and then Project Veritas wouldn't have come out of that either. And of course, we know that uh, James O'Keefe has had some some struggles lately. Uh, we wish him the best. Some of my favorite recommendations from Andrew Breitbart. Don't be afraid to go into enemy territory. Expose the left for who they are in their own words. Don't let the complex use its PC lexicon to characterize you and shape the narrative. Control your own story. Don't let the complex do it. And don't let them get away with ignoring their own rules. I think conservatives can, can really do well to pay attention to those particular recommendations as we move forward with this Republican Congress. I wrote a line in that article that I wrote a few years ago, and, and I, I'm going to read the line to you because I, I like that line. Andrew Breitbart showed conservatives that taking the high road when facing an ideological enemy with a scorched earth strategy is a foolish losing game plan. He showed conservatives how to stand up and fight for our beliefs. Uh, Andrew Breitbart was big on what he would say, you know, walk towards the fire. And I feel like this podcast is an example of me walking towards the fire. Uh, I know a lot of other people do too. 
citizen journalists, that was a big thing for Andrew Breitbart, you know, getting the word out, you know, using social media to get the word out, the true word, and get our perspectives out because the Democrat media complex won't allow you to do that, so you have to circumvent them in some way. Uh, and I think as, as conservatives, we have more opportunities than ever. Like we're not having to print, you know, we're not having to use some kind of handbill printed thing that we're creating and sticking on people's windshields. You know, we're, I'm able to have this podcast and talk to you directly. Uh, and that's, that's something, right? And there's, I know a lot of other people that are able to do the same thing. And so we still live in a, in a free country. We've got to fight to keep those freedoms, but we still live, live in a free country. Free speech is, is tougher to come by in some ways. It gets regulated in the big megaphones, but the reason why it's, it's so dangerous there and why it's regulated so much is because there's so many alternative avenues for us to use. So keep fighting, keep using those alternative av avenues and keep fighting to make sure that we have all of our free speech available to us. Walk towards the fire. Uh, now it's time for the Patriot Brain Line. So a listener from Texas said, what would you do if, the, if you were the GOP's leading political strategist tasked with winning the 2024 presidential election? What strategies and messages what strategies and message would you use to win? What would you avoid? Well, you know, I was having this discussion with somebody the other day, and I didn't have very well thought out ideas for it. And then now I'm having this discussion with the listener in front of the audience here on the podcast. And I don't know that it's a whole lot more thought out than it was then. And it'll probably change two weeks from now because that's the nature of the game. But here's kind of my take on it at this moment in time. Yeah, I would create. I would make sure you create a large field with a deep bench. I think you want to have a lot of people running for office uh, for the for Republicans running in the primary. If it's a close race, the Democrats can't dismantle the front runner. You know, they can't use their media propaganda to, to dismantle the front runner. If they know right now, like, hey, it's just like an incumbent issue, right? If they know right now, hey, it's only Donald Trump running, then they they sight all of their rifles in on on Donald Trump. That's who they're going after the whole time. They're they're spinning. This, all this time discrediting Donald Trump. I think having, I think ironically, having a, a larger field gives Trump a more clear path to the nomination, right? Because it, it diffuses the vote, so that Trump will be more likely to win the nomination. But if Trump takes, you know, Democrat media complex DNC damage and drops out, or if he's defeated in the primary, the winning candidate should make sure that they're Trump association proof while still appealing to the Trump base. And that's a really tough line to walk. Um, but you want you don't want to be associated with the negatives of Trump. In that in that scenario, Trump would have been damaged, right? So you don't want to, you want to distance yourself from him. But at the same time, you need to still be him because he was a, he was a very effective president with very effective policies, uh, and his base is not going to to give him up. Uh, the the true core of his base is not going, and myself probably included in that, uh, is not going to give him up in that scenario. And so you've got to find a way to appeal to them. Uh, and make the Democrats the you know, dissociative outgroup that you want to avoid. It's a tough line to walk in that scenario. But I, again, I said I think Trump has a, a more clear path to the nomination with more candidates, which we're seeing, seeming to see getting in there. But late in the game, if it's, a, if it's late in the game, right, so all the, they can't only fire off at Trump and then have somebody else emerge unscathed, and, and have the opportunity to, to get the nomination and then move forward without any damage. So they, they don't know how to, if they're, if they're trying to damage all the, if the Democrats are trying to damage all the candidates, then Trump's not taking all the shots. So late in the game, if there's a replacement for Trump, they would likely not have sustained the damage and, and there won't be enough time for the, the DNC media complex to, to convincingly pivot for people. So somebody that sneaks in towards the end, if, if it's not Trump, um, they've got an interesting path possibly too, and they wouldn't necessarily have been as damaged. There wouldn't be time to damage them. Um, you want to make sure that the weaker candidates get their messages out as well. 
Uh, I think you want to not make it about Trump and don't let Trump, you know, don't turn Trump loose on the other candidates, right? He needs to play nice with the other candidates. I think he ought to just ignore the other candidates and not go after them and pummel them like he did before. Um, that gives him a, a deep bench of people that he can select uh, for his running mate. It, it keeps all of them potentially auditioning for him as a running mate if, if, he know, if they know that he's going to be the nominee. Uh, you know, it, the ideal might be for Trump to be the front runner with enough of a lead that he doesn't need to pummel the other candidates and that they can still get their messages out and they can still be there to back up if something happens and you know, he's older, if he gets sick and decides he's not going to run anymore uh, and backs out of the election um, or they can, he can pull them in or just in general to have them united behind them but still getting their messages out. I think that's probably the ideal scenario. Um, that's the best you can do, right? I mean, the people on the left are not going to change their minds about Trump. They're not going to vote for Republican anyway, so it doesn't matter what they say. And, and, and Republicans often get too deep in the weeds of, of worrying about what they say, and it doesn't matter what they say. Look, they've been lying for four, five, six years about everything that they can possibly lie about. Uh, the independents are where you got to get the votes from. And, and we, that's an old strategy, right? The Democrats are going to vote Democrat, Republicans are going to vote Republicans. If everybody shows up, the, the independents are the ones that you've got to try to court. Um, well, independents should be on the side of Republican conservative ideas anyway, because those are the ones that are the most beneficial to them and the rest of the country. Uh, don't lose sight of that. But I think the key is for Trump to not try to pound and beat away uh, his his primary competition, right? He, need, he needs to, Trump needs to kind of ignore them, I think. And, and I don't know that he can do that, but he needs to ignore them. I also thought that he should probably not take the strategy he took in the 2016 election, and he did, and it was effective, and he won. And then he, I said if he, he's going to have to look more presidential after he does that because he's not going to be looking presidential on the, on the path up there. And he made that pivot, so he's a smart guy. Uh, I would you know, kind of follow his lead and see where he goes with that. So you can reach me on the Patriot Brain Line. You can voice message me through Anchor. You can message me through True Social or email me at the email address listed on my website, theconservativesocialpsychologist.com. Independent podcasts thrive with private investments that offset the time and financial costs of equipment, software, writing, producing, editing, and on-air talent. Please consider supporting My Patriot Brain with a small monthly donation. You can use the support button on the Anchor podcast page or the support this podcast URL in the show description on Spotify and iHeartRadio. Thank you for listening. We are strong together. And now it's time for my closing thoughts. Last week, my daughter and I drove by the same dog park we drive by once a week. It was a cold day and we were looking for the dogs, but there were none there. I saw one person sitting on the bench in the middle of the dog park. Optimistic, I said that there must be a dog somewhere because why else would someone go to the dog park? There were no other dogs. That person went to the dog park with no dog. That's optimism. Optimism that there will be dogs for them to see. That's confidence. Confidence to stand alone, dogless in a dog park. It takes that type of courage to fight as a conservative. Be dogless in the dog park. Walk with me towards the fire. Until I catch you next time, play hard and have fun. Listen to My Patriot Brain on Spotify, Anchor, and iHeartRadio. Follow me on Parlor and True Social. Check out my other content at theconservativesocialpsychologist.com.